This is Rosen Institute's Your Law Firm, where Lee Rosen and Ned Days cover management, marketing, finance, and new technologies for building the practice you deserve. Here's Lee Rosen. It's good to be with you today from the beach down in Moine, Vietnam. We had a car pick us up in Saigon a few days ago and rode down here to the beach, and we've been wandering around and eating seafood and swimming in the hotel pool and watching the waves crash on the beach. We had an interesting lunch the other day with three guys who spent nearly four years together in a refugee camp on their way to the United United States. They were, at least at that time, referred to as the boat people who immigrated from Vietnam through these camps and then into countries like the United States. That was more than 30 years ago. I remember reading about all of that in the news, and it was absolutely fascinating to talk to folks who had lived through what is now a part of history. It's time for your tech tip. My wife has chickens. As much as we like to consider ourselves hipster urban farmers, I have to be honest, the chickens are really just pets. They are incredibly pampered and incredibly spoiled. In an effort to spoil them even further, she decided that what these chickens really needed to make their little winged lives that much better was tasty, tasty snacks. Now, chickens love all kinds of food, but they really love mealworms. But mealworms can get pricey if you are buying them from a pet store on a regular basis. What if we could just buy the mealworms once and allow them to reproduce on their own? So in addition to having pet chickens, we now have pet mealworms. But mealworms don't just beget mealworms. They go through some very complicated bug cycle that my wife finds fascinating and I find disgusting that involves eggs and larvae and pupae and some kind of big nasty beetle creature that is apparently an invasive species should it ever escape the house. The bugs are her domain. I don't look at them, I don't touch them, I don't even think about them. I just remember that raising mealworms is a much cheaper hobby than acquiring Prada handbags. So as we sat watching television one night, I saw a bug fly in front of the screen. I went to catch it and I noticed that it looked suspiciously like one of the bugs that were being bred by the thousands in our spare room. This looks like one of your bugs, I said. That's impossible, she said. I read on the internet that they can't fly. With no reason to doubt her, I went back to watching TV. Until a few minutes later when I saw another bug. Then another, and then another. I pointed out our new house guests, and she assured me that they must be coming from outside. My bugs can't get out of their containers the way I have them set up, but I'll go check. And wouldn't you know it, by the grace of God, two miracles had occurred that night. The bugs had managed to escape their enclosure and even more amazingly learned to fly. And I noticed that my little bug adventure is a bit like the way we are forced to confront buying software and services in our law firms. Because whether you are paying the piper on a monthly basis or attempting to get away with a one and done approach, there is no free lunch, unless you're a chicken or a mealworm. The last five to 10 years have seen a move away from paying once for a piece of software and keeping it indefinitely until you decided to upgrade to ongoing monthly or annual fees for just about everything. Desktop applications, mobile applications, and everything else. 
Our approach to what we bought outright and what we subscribed to at the law firm was dictated by a few factors. One of those was my preconceived ideas about how software should be purchased and paid for. I came from a time when the normal way of thinking about this was that a desktop application was a one-time fee and an internet-based application was an ongoing subscription. Another one of the factors was how vendors build for the software. Ten years ago, the option to pay for a desktop app once was a lot more common. I used a copy of Office 2011 for about seven or eight years. I kept a license key saved. I reinstalled it on multiple notebooks as I upgraded machines. Good luck getting a one-time payment version of Office these days. You can do it, but there are a lot of limitations and a lot of strings attached. At the law firm, we mixed and matched over the years, buying yearly licenses for Office 365, one-time licenses for our PDF software and graphics packages, and not giving a second thought to the subscription nature of web-based products, because that's how those had always been handled. But having a dozen different subscriptions you're paying for every month can add up and become a real financial burden. Are there any guidelines for when it makes sense to do one versus the other if you have a choice? The reason so many products have moved to the subscription billing model is that it's an ongoing and much more reliable source of income. That means more money, basically, which is an obvious win for the software company, but the subscription also generally entitles you to ongoing updates, support, and at the end of the day, financing the continued development of the software and the responsiveness of the team working on it. Now, I doubt Microsoft or Salesforce are in any danger of running out of cash anytime soon, but for smaller products and services, that may makes a big difference. For us though, we want to know when we can get away with using an app we've paid for once without feeling like we're being nickeled and dimed every month for incremental updates. I'll be honest, I still like the one and done approach. I like feeling like I'm in control of when I decide to upgrade and not feeling like I'm wasting money if I don't use something for a month or two. But the real question we are asking in the subscription versus one-time fee debate is this, is the product worth the money? How the price is structured is kind of illusory. Is it worth the money I'm paying to have the tool, to be able to talk to support if something is going wrong and to solve my client's problems? Is what I'm paying, even if it pains me to see it come off of the credit card every month, dwarfed by the productivity we're getting out of it and what we can bill? $100 per year per seat for an office suite was a no-brainer. $1,000 a year per seat for a CRM was a pain, but unquestionably worth it. But even if something is only $10 a month, if it's causing you that nagging feeling that you just don't think you're getting value out of it, it's probably time to consider whether or not you are. What you want to be assessing is your gut reaction to the price you're paying. That might be once every five years in between upgrades, that might be once a month, it might be once a year. Do you hesitate when you think about the value it's providing? Yes, we wish everything was cheaper, but is this something you just can't do without? Or do you wish the service was a one-time payment because you're not getting enough use out of it to justify the cost? The bottom line is that somebody has to raise the bugs. Maybe it's happening at the pet store, maybe it's happening in your guest room closet. But if you aren't happy with the mealworms, maybe you just don't need them at all. I'm Ned Days, and that's your tech tip. And now for your moment of concise advice. Starting and running a law firm, it can be a bold and exciting journey, but it's important to remember that fear is part of it. It's natural, and it's okay to think about it, to talk about it, to have a plan in place to address it. When we look around at the other lawyers who are already running law firms, it's tempting to see those folks as fearless risk takers who are 
able to make it all work out. But the truth is that all lawyers running law firms have fears and doubts and uncertainties, lots of them. It's just part of the process. And it's not just lawyers. It's everyone, especially those of us who decide to start businesses. Fear is a normal, reasonable part of what helps us to get where we're going. The key is to not let that fear hold you back, to keep you from achieving your dreams, from achieving the success that you're striving toward. It's important to recognize that it's okay to feel fear. It really is normal. It's reasonable. What matters here, what counts, is how you react to that fear. You want to face your fears head on. You want to acknowledge them. You don't need to suffer in silence. You can share the fear with your friends and your family. You can recognize and acknowledge that fear, it really is just normal. And you can take action to address, to deal with the fears that are nagging at you. Pay attention to yourself. You know, everyone has ups and downs. You want to notice your responses. You want to pay attention to yourself. That's how you work through it. That's how you overcome. That's how you conquer your fears and your doubts. You can overcome any obstacle once you see it, once you recognize it for what it is. Fear is difficult to recognize. Fear can be slippery. We don't always realize that it's fear that's getting in our way, that's slowing us down, that might be stopping us. And the big step here to overcoming the fear is to ask yourself, what is it exactly? Break it down. See it. What is it that's getting in your way? What's holding you back? What are you really afraid of? Ask yourself that question. Seeing your fear, it's central to overcoming it and moving beyond it. For me, my fears? Well, for me, there is a long list. My fears come and go. It changes over time. I find myself more concerned about one thing for a while, and then I shift gears and something else fills that space. I'll tell you some of my fears. Maybe these are the sorts of things that impact you, or maybe my list will help you to find your list. Remember, though, that even if our fears are different, we are all impacted by our fears. That's just part of the package when you decide that having a law firm is for you. We all experience fear. You are not alone. Some of mine, well, there's that big one, the simply feeling not up to the job. Imposter syndrome is what some folks call it. It's common to feel a little bit of self-doubt, especially when you're venturing into something new into unknown territory. Now, for some of us, that imposter syndrome, that little bit of self-doubt is probably a healthy thing. It helps us to curb our enthusiasm, to keep ourselves in check, to not go too fast into the unknown. But imposter syndrome, it's something that all of us deal with in one way or another. There's also that feeling of overwhelm. Starting a law firm, it can be incredibly overwhelming 
doing, especially when you're juggling the business side of things with the client side of things. One way to deal with this sense of overwhelm is to break things down, figure out what your goals are and break those into smaller, more manageable chunks and prioritize your tasks. Remember to take breaks and give yourself time to adjust to all of this change that is happening. Feeling overwhelmed? Well, it's just a bit overwhelming and it's a natural and normal part of starting and running a law firm. A big fear that comes, at least for me, is the what will everybody think syndrome. It's so easy to get caught up in the opinions of others, especially in this social media world that we live in where everybody has an opinion and everybody is an expert. But there's value in remembering that what you're doing, it shouldn't be defined or measured by someone else's expectations or opinions. Sonia Sotomayor, the Supreme Court judge, Justice said, I don't measure myself by others' expectations or let others define my worth. That's a good motto to live by. Don't let others' ideas or expectations or thinking impact what it is that you do. You do you. But it sure is easy to get caught up in that fear of what everybody else will think. I find myself in that place all the time. And that leads us to the fear of disappointing family and friends. It's normal to be impacted by what our family and friends expect of us. But when it becomes a fear, when we are overly anxious about disappointing them, well, that's not productive. As long as you haven't borrowed money from them, you haven't asked them to invest in your business, well, then you need to sort of disconnect and ignore from their ideas and expectations. You need to do you. I encourage you to ignore the pats on the back and the criticisms. You want to just move ahead with confidence in your own abilities and build the law firm that you see in your vision. Some of us fear, and I've certainly experienced this, this fear of being alone. Being the boss can be a lonely job. The folks you work with, well, they're a bit distant from you because you are the boss, but you'll grow into it. You'll become comfortable with the responsibility and the solitude that comes along with owning the business. But that doesn't mean you've got to be alone. It's okay to seek out a support system. That's a big part of why we built Rosen Institute. It's lawyers who own law firms coming together to help one another, to support one another. Yes, to some extent within your business, you will feel alone. You will be to an extent distant from the folks that work with you, and you've got to become comfortable with making decisions on your own and being okay with the outcome. But this fear that some of us have of being alone, well, you can address that. You can deal with it by building that support system. Another fear or concern that comes up is this idea of doing the job for someone else. I certainly get caught up in that. You know, building a law firm is tough, but it's not something that you ought to do for someone else. You've got to do it for yourself. You don't want to get caught up in this idea of 
proving a point or living someone else's life, make sure you know what you're doing it and why you're doing it for you. Don't spend your energy doing it for someone else. Ultimately, doing it for someone else will not sustain you. It will not drive you. It will not help you to succeed in this mission. Find the reasons that you're doing it and make sure that a big part of that is doing it for you. And finally, there is the fear of failure. The fear of failure gets wrapped up in so many of these other fears. There's this fear of disappointing family and friends. There's this fear of what will everybody think or embarrassment. There's a whole package of anxieties that are triggered. Our fear of failure is a big dark cloud that hangs over many of us. It creates this sense of anxiety, of uncertainty. It paralyzes some of us and others among us end up taking bigger risks because of our fear of failure. The fear of failure is tricky, and the truth about failure is this. It's going to happen to a greater or lesser extent. Failure is a natural part of building a business. It's important to remember that the most successful business owners have all experienced setbacks and failures. It's just part of the process. The key here is to expect failures, to know that they are coming, to not let that pull you down. The key is to learn from those experiences and then to keep moving forward. As the old saying goes, the only real failure is the failure to try. All of us, anyone who has ever started a business, anyone who runs a business, we have all felt that fear of failure. You are absolutely not alone. I have felt all of these fears at one point or another, and sometimes I feel them all mixed together. And unfortunately, too often, more often than I'd like to admit, I've made decisions that are rooted in fear. Those fear-based decisions are rarely my best moments. Those decisions are the ones that I regret the most. You know, starting and running your own law firm, it can be intimidating. Fear is part of this journey. Expect it. It's coming. You are going to have to deal with it. You're going to experience the fear at some points, but it's helpful. It's important to remember, to recognize that fear, it's just a natural and normal part of this process. When you acknowledge your fears, you can address them. You can seek support. You can educate yourself. You can better manage your finances. You can take care of your emotional health. You can overcome your fears and you can build a successful practice. So be aware of the fear. It's coming. It's normal. It's natural. It's to be expected. It's part of this journey. And all of us, including me, have experienced lots of it. It's a big part of how you get where you're going. It's important to remember that the fear is natural and it's okay to recognize it, to acknowledge it, and to have a plan in place that works for you to address it. That's your moment of concise advice. Wrapping up from Moine, Vietnam. Thanks for spending a few minutes with me and Ned today. We hope you have a great weekend and an even better week next week. Keep plugging away, moving forward, getting things done. You're on the right track. You'll get there. I promise. We're all in this together, and together we build better practices through better marketing and better management and better technology. Until next time, I'm Lee Rosen. 
Thanks for listening to Your Law Firm. Visit rosensrules.com for our free course on the 10 critical rules successful law firms follow.